Kane Review Print Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Q in Review, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at qnreview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 That's 0141 772 this is from the Glasgow Times on Thursday the 7th of December 2023. From the Lifestyle section. Caledonia Gladiators star feels like true Scott in Tartan. This article is written by Rebecca Newlands. A pro basketball player says he feels like a true Scott after playing in a bespoke Tartan kit. Prince Onwas of the Caledonia Gladiators donned the grey, white and blue pattern designed by Slanch to net a slam dunk. He said, I'm really proud to play for Scotland's pro team and having our own tartan goes that step further in making me feel like a true Scot. It comes as part of the Gladiators' partnership with Slanch to embrace their Scottish roots and the design features on both home and away strips, as well as other club merchandise. Both teams will soon be seen wearing the tartan kilts at special events, and head coaches Gareth Murray and Miguel Ortega will wear tartan ties for all game days. Tony McDade, who is the CEO of Caledonia Gladiators, said, With the final design combining the key elements of our club, from our strips to the saltire, this tartan symbolises the unity of our heritage and the sport of basketball. Working with Slange was a no-brainer. Their credentials and the quality of their product is excellent, and they understand our brief from the start. Their innovative and participative design process allowed us to reach the final design very quickly. The visibility of the tartan across international and home sporting arenas has huge potential for a strong identity of our Caledonia gladiators. We can't wait to see our fans wear the scarves and other tartan merchandise with pride and in numbers for our game days and other occasions. Slange has been a leading Highland wear company since it was founded in 1995 and they have worked with various professional sports teams charities, politicians and celebrities, including Stephen Seagal and the Obamas. Owner and director Brian Halley said, We've had the privilege of creating custom kilts and unique tartans for a number of individuals, businesses and sports teams over the years. It's a fantastic way to illustrate proud Scottish heritage and it's great to see the tartan incorporated into the team kit and on a number of products. That article was written by Rebecca Newlands. This is from the Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 7th of December 2023. From the Lifestyle section.
Fake Prime and Wonka Chocolate Bar Warning from FSA This article is written by Joshua Searle. The Food Standards Agency, FSA, has issued a warning to consumers over fake branded chocolate bars. The FSA is warning members of the public not to buy or eat fake Wonka bars or prime chocolate bars for safety reasons. It comes following a recent incident at a Nottinghamshire market, which saw some of those who ate the chocolate hospitalised. Fake branded chocolate bars may be unsafe to eat and there is a possibility they are being made or repackaged by unregistered businesses or criminals who will not follow hygiene, labelling and traceability laws. With Christmas approaching, the FSA are urging people not to buy fake branded chocolate for friends or family. Tina Potter, head of incidents at the FSA, said, Last year, fake Wonka bars were removed from sale after having been found to contain allergens which weren't listed on the label posing a major health risk to anyone who suffers from a food allergy or intolerance. The Food Standards Agency is continuing to work with partners to protect the public. Letters have been sent to local authorities responsible for investigating and enforcing food law to advise them to be extra vigilant and remove any fake products from sale where there is known or suspected public health risk. How to spot fake branded chocolate. The FSA explained how to spot the fake branded chocolate. A spokesman said, Prime chocolate bars, that's easy. Prime make drinks and they have told us they have not manufactured any prime branded foods. If you see these, they are fake and they may be unsafe. Fake Wonka bars. If you see a Wonka bar in a shop, online or in a market stall, it will not be the real thing. The ingredients list might not be correct and allergen labels may not have been applied correctly. They also offer the following tips. Buying from a reputable seller means you're less likely to fall for a fake. If in doubt, ask the seller for more information about what you're buying, or perhaps leave it on the shelf. If the deal is too good to be true, it probably is. If it doesn't look right, report it to your local authority. That article was written by Joshua Searle. This is from the Glasgow Times on Thursday the 7th of December 2023 from the Opinion section. Government must help us end homelessness crisis. This article is written by Susan Aitken. Having a decent home has been central to Glasgow's approach to improving the lives of residents. In recent decades, every neighbourhood has undergone a remarkable transformation, with Glasgow shedding its unenviable tag of having some of Western Europe's worst social housing to now providing high-quality, energy-efficient and modern homes. Just a few years back, The crisis-ridden homelessness service the SNP administration in the city inherited in 2017 had been improved, to the extent that, working alongside partners, rough sleeping had been all but eradicated in Glasgow. 
This isn't to deny that homelessness has been a persistent challenge here and across the UK. Decades of political policies and decisions which deepen inequalities and force people into destitution come with a heavy cost. But since the pandemic, Glasgow's progress has been at risk of being rolled back, with more people making homelessness applications and unprecedented pressures being placed on housing supply. The cost of living crisis, rampant fuel and food prices and savage welfare cuts have been key contributors, as well as the impact of COVID on people's mental health and well-being. The availability of homes has also been impacted by recent legislative changes on cities like Glasgow, alongside our willingness to step up to assist those fleeing war in Afghanistan, Ukraine and other conflict areas. We now expect the UK Government in the coming weeks to begin processing asylum applications in numbers that cities, left entirely unsupported, are not equipped to deal with. The result will be hundreds, potentially thousands of refugees and asylum seekers forced out of their accommodation and seeking shelter. The SNP City Administration has recognised we've been heading towards a crisis point for some time and engaged with both governments around addressing that. In recent days, we've publicly identified this crisis as a housing emergency, a move which also brings expectations on the Council to deliver on our emergency plans. This can't be done in isolation. It needs both governments to work with us. The Scottish Government has been building social and affordable homes at a record level, with almost 125,000 delivered since 2007, and a further 110,000 committed to by 2032. The supply of affordable housing per head of population is also considerably more than England and Wales. But while Glasgow is committed to around 7,500 new homes in the next five years, more is required to meet demand. We need financial assistance so more derelict land can be made available for housing. We need to help in turning hundreds of empty properties into homes as soon as possible and have asked for the flexibility to use funding to acquire empty homes. Given current pressures, this may need to be Glasgow's main area of focus for the near future. The overall aim is that people spend as little time as possible in temporary accommodation and secure a home as soon as possible, especially the vulnerable and those with families. But due to circumstances beyond our control, we may need to take emergency measures. That means getting a roof over people's heads throughout the winter, even if that doesn't meet the standards we usually aspire to. With Scottish Government assistance, we can get on top of this emergency and get back on track in delivering decent homes. The emergency response must, however, be followed by a sustained effort which deals with the longer-term causes of homelessness. And, to a much more significant degree, this falls to the UK government. We need it to change tack on its plans to mass-process asylum applications 
and to properly resource host cities in dealing with any resulting surge in homelessness applications. And UK ministers need to respond to the catastrophic impact of Brexit on house-building targets. But the Tories can't ignore their hand in the UK's deepening financial inequalities and the resulting levels of homelessness. While a second decade of ideologically driven austerity is reversing life expectancy levels, welfare cuts, benefit sanctions and delays continue to drive up levels of homelessness. The political choices the Tories continue to make are forcing more and more people across the UK into relying on charities and onto the streets. Furthermore, any incoming Labour government committed to addressing homelessness can't hide behind fiscal rules and claims of prudence while hammering the poorest with its promised continuity of Tory welfare agendas. Anything less from Sir Keir Starmer is contemptible hypocrisy amounting to austerity 2.0. Yes, we need to address homelessness. We are in an emergency, but we can't brush aside the many causes of homelessness. Glasgow has a plan for doing its bit. We need the government to work with us and commit now. That article was written by Susan Aitken. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 8th of December, in the news section, Concerning Incident, Women Raped in the Airdrie Park by Esther Tarnay, Community Reporter A woman was raped in an Airdrie Park, sparking a police probe. Officers were called to the Community Nature Park area of the town between 6pm and 7pm on Monday, November 27th. This is after reports of a woman having been seriously sexually assaulted near the psychopath. Police have launched an investigation and are keen to speak to two joggers, both wearing head torches, who stopped to assist the woman close to Air Drive. Detective Sergeant Stephen Knox said, A dedicated team of officers has carried out extensive inquiries and we are asking these two joggers, or anyone else who was in the area around this time, to please contact us. We understand that this is a concerning incident and we have increased high visibility patrols in the area. And that article was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 8th of December, from the news section, exclusive. Children join Lord Provost for Christmas party at City Chambers. This article is by Esther Tarnay. Almost 100 children from Glasgow schools enjoyed a special Christmas party at the City Chambers today. As part of an annual tradition, the city's Lord Provost Jacqueline McLaren hosted youngsters with additional support needs for a day filled with music, dancing, balloon animals, a meal and Santa himself. The kids, along with teachers and caregivers, enjoyed the festive celebrations, which was also attended by special guests Elsa and a teenage ninja turtle. The Lord Provost said, This is one of our events in the Christmas calendar in the city. The Sea Santa get gifts, have a great time getting balloons and doing hokey-cokey. I love it. Laura Hennigan, support for learning worker at Hamden Primary, said, The kids absolutely love coming here. It means so much to them. Seeing Santa and the experience they get is just amazing. Here, there is no judgement for anyone and it's lovely to see them happy. 
it's a fantastic day and gets him out of school. Kirsty Ward, support worker at Langlands Primary, added, It's great to see the whole community come together. Our kids never get a chance to get out there like this, so this is fantastic. I love that every child has something they want to get involved in, whether it's the puppeteers, dancing, seeing the characters. And even if they don't want to, they can sit silently in the back and enjoy their food, playing games. And that article was an exclusive by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 8th of December, from the news section, Glasgow Ballater Street, three in hospital after crash, by community reporter Esther Tarnay. Three people were taken to hospital following a three-car crash in Glasgow. Officers were called to Ballater Street in the Gorbals after three vehicles collided around 2.30pm today. The road was closed between Commercial Road and Florence Street while officers guarded the scene. It was reopened a short time later. Now, the forces confirmed that the three people were hospitalised after the incident. A police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 2.35pm on Friday, December the 8th, 2023, we were called to reports of a three-vehicle crash in Ballater Street, Glasgow. Three people have been taken to hospital. Inquiries are ongoing. Article by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 8th of December, from the news section, Man hospitalised after a gang of youth mugged him in Cumbernauld by Esther Tarnay, community reporter. A man was hospitalised with a serious facial injury after a gang of youth mugged him in Cumbernauld. Emergency services were called to Glenhove Road around 7pm on Saturday, December the 2nd, after a 33-year-old man was assaulted and robbed by three young men. The man was taken to Monklands Hospital in Airdrie for treatment of a serious facial injury. One of the suspects is described as white, around six foot tall with red hair. He was wearing a grey tracksuit at the time of the incident. There are no descriptions for the other two suspects. Detective Sergeant Greg Muir said, Our inquiries are ongoing to identify those responsible and we are appealing to anyone who may have witnessed the incident to come forward. If you have information that could help with our inquiries, please contact police on 101, quoting incident 1420 of December the 2nd, 2023. And that article was by Esther Tarney. Glasgow Times News. On Monday, the 11th of December. Glasgow has a fantastic day. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Santa came to Glasgow early this year, and there were thousands of him. Festive cheer and Christmas spirit shone through on a damp and grey Sunday morning in December as people came in huge numbers to take part in the annual Santa Dash. Dressed as seasonal characters such as Santa, the elves, reindeer and even a dinosaur, because why not, Glasgow Green was bouncing with runners, walkers, babies, prams and dogs. After a festive warm-up to Christmas tunes with the help of the fitness team at Glasgow Life, participants set off from the starting line in three sections to embark on the five-kilometre route around the park. Counting down to the start was the event host, BBC Radio Scotland presenter Brian Burnett, who perfectly summed up the Santa Dash as this is what Christmas in Glasgow is. 
Everyone taking part was doing so to raise funds for two important charities, the Lord Provost's Fund and the Beetson Cancer Charity. Glasgow's Lord Provost, Councillor Jacqueline McLaren said, Glasgow's Santa Dash is a wonderful, uplifting family event which gets children and adults into the festive spirit. It's a great morning with plenty of fun and laughter and the sea of Santas running the route is a truly impressive sight. As well as being a lovely Christmas event, the Santa Dash helps people raise funds for a whole range of charities which help those in need in Glasgow and further afield. Macy McCormick, Community Fundraising Manager at Beetson Cancer Charity, said Santa Dash participants have helped raise over £400,000 for our charity since 2016, which is absolutely incredible. Everyone who signs up to take part this year will be continuing to support cancer patients and their families across Scotland. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News. On Monday, the 11th of December. Pavement parking ban could be introduced in Glasgow. An article written by Catherine Hunter. An illegal pavement parking ban could be introduced in Glasgow as early as March next year, according to a local councillor. The City Council plans to embark on a phased approach, which would initially see enforcement applied to dropped curbs and double parking. Wider enforcement would be introduced afterwards, but areas where illegal pavement parking is an issue would be dealt with on an ad hoc basis. It comes after Bailey Elaine Gallagher asked Councillor Angus Miller what timescale the local authority was working towards in enacting enforcement against illegal pavement parking during Thursday's full council meeting. Councillor Miller said... Glasgow City Council very much welcomes the delivery by the Scottish Government of new powers to enforce against pavement parking. We will progress the necessary work to implement this as soon as possible next year, following the announcement of the legislation. The national regulations and guidance on the technical aspects of enforcing this prohibition are going through the parliamentary process at Holyrood. Enforcement will be introduced on a phased basis and this aligns broadly with the position of other local authorities that the Council engages with via the Society of Chief Officers of Transportation in Scotland. Glasgow intends to begin limited enforcement of dropped curbs and double parking upon completion of the necessary updates to our back office system, which is currently targeted for March next year. Wider enforcement will be introduced afterwards, but problem areas can be introduced on an ad hoc basis as soon as systems allow. We're also exploring a soft launch of enforcement, with the potential to provide warning notices to vehicles engaging in pavement parking in key problem hotspots. Bailey Gallagher then asked if Glasgow could not apply these new enforcements immediately. She said the model in Edinburgh is for no exemptions and to allow enforcement to be carried out immediately. Does the convener not think this is a way we might carry out the enforcement? Councillor Miller responded, The approach, as I understand it, is to lead with enforcement against drop curbs and double parking, which is similar to the process that we are undertaking, and that will be introduced as soon as back office systems allow. There are many areas in the city where we have relatively narrow residential streets, where there is residential parking on those streets without controlled parking areas, and we would need to closely consider the introduction of enforcement against pavement parking in those areas, against what the potential knock-on impact on the surrounding road network would be. 
an article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow Times, on Monday, the 11th of December. Lifestyle. Glaswegian woman crowned the winner of ITV's Mamma Mia! I Have a Dream. An article written by Marissa McQuirter. Stevie Dog and Tobias Turley have been crowned the winners of reality singing show Mamma Mia! I Have a Dream. Over the past eight weeks, the competitors have sung, danced and acted their way to the final to secure the lead roles of Sophie and Skye in the West End production of Mamma Mia! at the Novello Theatre in London. Announcing the winners of the ITV1 show on Sunday was host Zoe Ball, who said... I can now reveal that the winners of Mamma Mia! I Have a Dream are Stevie and Tobias. Speaking to the PA news agency following her win, Ms Dock, who's 22, said, This is just unbelievable. Actually, unbelievable. I don't believe that it's happening. She added, I was watching my dad when Zoe was about to read out who won, and he couldn't even look up, and I was like, This is just as big to him as it is to me. Discussing his win, Mr Turley, who's 23, said to the agency, I was quite nervous and hesitant to even apply for this show in the first place, but I thought it would be just a great thing. I just thought so many people would apply, and I thought, why would it be me? But you just don't win the raffle if you don't buy a ticket. The competition has seen 14 aspiring musical theatre performers take to the stage in a bid to impress a panel of judges, comprising comedian Alan Carr, singer Jessie Ware, Glee star Amber Riley and Les Miserables actress Samantha Banks. In the final, musical theatre teacher Ms Dark from Glasgow was vying for the role of Sophie with Esme Bowdler, who's 23, a barista from Chester. Mr Turley, a singing waiter from Somerset, took the title of Sky against Owen Johnston, who's 25, who is a theatre usher from Belfast. During the 75-minute show, broadcast live on Sunday, the finalists performed to the song Mamma Mia before Ms Dock sang Thank You For The Music and Ms Bowdler sang My Love, My Life. Elsewhere, Mr Johnston sang Our Last Summer while Mr Turley performed I've Been Waiting For You before the show culminated in a group rendition of The Winner Takes It All. Abba's Bjorn Oveus offered the contestants a heartful message and said, I just wanted to say a huge congratulations to each and every one of you on making it to the finals. Mamma Mia! The musical, featuring songs from the back catalogue of Swedish supergroup ABBA, has been on stage for decades, and in 2008 the movie was released, starring Amanda Seyfried and Dominic Cooper. Creator and global producer of Mamma Mia! Judy Kramer has closely followed the winner's journeys from the very beginning. She said, It's a joyous result, and I'm delighted to welcome Stevie and Tobias to join the West End cast in this very special year, celebrating Mamma Mia's 25th anniversary. All our contestants are so talented and worked so hard. They went through the most intensive musical theatre boot camp with such energy, flair and commitment. They were all such a joy to work with and are all winners in my eyes. The winners will make their West End debut in seven weeks, on Monday, January the 29th. Tickets for Mamma Mia! in the West End, starring Ms Dock and Mr Turley, are on sale now. An article written by Marissa McQuirter. Glasgow Times News. On Monday, the 11th of December.
Lighting Glasgow's Queen's Park could cost the council £170,000. An article written by Sarah Hilly. Plans to light up parks at night in Glasgow are making progress as council officers have come up with ways to fund the move in the south side. A community meeting was shown an option to light up Queen's Park, costing £170,000. A council official presented a proposal to the most recent Pollock Shields Area Partnership, suggesting it could contribute £57,000 towards making it a reality. No decision has yet been taken, but a number of other area partnerships could also potentially contribute to the financial cost. Attendees at the meeting were shown a map of Queen's Park outlining where lights would go. There have been calls for lighting in parks due to safety concerns and the council is looking to run a pilot in Cranhill Park, Kelvin Grove Park and Queen's Park. Looking at the environmental impact is among the issues being considered. The Partnership's Neighbourhood Infrastructure Fund would be used to foot the £57,000 bill if given the go-ahead. The funding request has been continued for consideration. Councillor Jill Brown, Labour, has been calling for the lighting to be installed. Campaigners have been calling for parts to be lit up after women were forced to walk through Kelvinger of Park in the dark during COP26 due to a police diversion. An article written by Sarah Hilly. Glasgow Times News. On Monday, the 11th of December. More than 400 black cabs could disappear from Glasgow streets. An article written by Catherine Hunter. More than 400 black cabs could disappear from Glasgow streets if they don't become LEZ compliant by next summer, according to a Conservative councillor. During Thursday's full council meeting, Bayliston representative John Daly pointed out that 462 taxis were non-compliant with the city's low emission zone stipulations and did not have a retrofit grant to ensure that they are LEZ friendly in time. Glasgow City Council agreed to introduce its LEZ this summer in 2017 and Councillor Daly wanted to know what's being done to ensure that these cabs can stay on the roads next summer. So far, a total of £1.9 million has been paid by the Scottish Government to support taxi retrofit in the Glasgow region, but 51 vehicles cannot be retrofitted and 411 are not in receipt of funding. Councillor Angus Miller said... Ahead of the introduction of LEZ enforcement in June this year, the Council also provided further flexibility by offering a one-year exemption for those operators who had submitted an expression of interest in the retrofit fund but had not yet had a retrofit undertaken, but also to those operators who for a variety of reasons were unable to receive that funding. This could be, for example, because the vehicle is not of a retrofitable type or because they had a larger multi-vehicle business model and those businesses have always been expected to finance their own fleet renewal. In providing these exemptions, the Council has always been clear that these are time-limited for a period of one year. These arrangements were put in place to achieve compliance in addition to the five years' notice already provided from formally agreeing to the LEZ in 2018. Analysis of the Glasgow taxi fleet suggests that 787 taxis are compliant, with an additional 93 currently in receipt of a confirmed grant, with retrofit work expected to be completed by early next June. Councillor Miller added, 
Of the remaining fleet, 51 vehicles are of a model of which there is no retrofit option and renewal will be required. 411 are of a type where a solution is likely to exist, but they are currently not in receipt of funding, either because they are on the LEZ fund waiting list or because they are ineligible for funding. The Council will continue to provide further flexibilities where providers can evidence that they are taking active steps to achieve compliance. But Councillor Daly still had some concerns about what this would mean for Glasgow's residents and visitors. He said... What's important now is that we are in a situation where next summer we will have more than 400 taxis effectively disappearing from the streets of Glasgow. It is our duty as elected members that the residents, citizens and visitors to Glasgow are able to transport themselves safely and quickly across this city. What is being done to ensure we do not fall off a cliff edge with 400 plus taxis this summer? Councillor Miller responded, We are keen to explore flexibility and transition to compliance, and that has been the focus. We need the vehicles that are entering the city centre to be of a standard that is not contributing to air pollution problems. In some of the city centre streets, taxis are one of the largest contributors to that air pollution. We will continue to show flexibility and engage further on this matter. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow Times News, on Monday the 11th of December. Police step up patrols after a rise in reports of youth disorder. An article written by Nicole Mitchell. Police officers are stepping up patrols in Linwood and Johnston following a rise in reports of youth disorder. Police will be increasing the number of high-visibility patrols in the area as the recent increase has caused concern in the local community and say any incidents will be robustly dealt with. Officers say an action plan is in place over the weekend, which will see dedicated community officers working alongside partner agencies, including Renfrewshire Council Community Safety. Parents and carers are also being urged to ensure they know the whereabouts of their children. Sergeant Bob Brooks said, We know this increase in youth disorder has been a cause for concern in the community. High visibility patrols will be carried out over the coming period and any incidents will be robustly dealt with. We appreciate that most young people behave respectfully while out with friends. However, yet again, it is the minority who cause issues. I would urge parents and carers to play a part in keeping our communities safe by ensuring that they are aware of the whereabouts of young people and have honest conversations about the impact of their actions and the potential for arrest should they engage in criminal acts. Where instances of antisocial behaviour do occur, I would ask that people continue reporting through the 101 telephone number or through 999 if it is an emergency. An article written by Nicole Mitchell. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 12th of December, from the news section. Funding imbalance towards cycling routes, warn councillors, by Stuart Patterson. Too much money is being spent on active travel, like cycle routes, and not enough on public transport, ministers have been told. Strathclyde Partnership for Transport has written to Patrick Harvey, the active travel minister, to call for a rebalancing of funding allocations. SPT councillors from Labour, SNP and Conservatives 
have said that government and the Scottish Parliament need to support a better public transport network. While stating they support active travel, they question whether the current implementation of the policy is meeting the needs of the overall population. Stephen Dornan, SPT Chair and SNP Councillor, and Vice Chairs Alan Moyer, Labour Councillor, and David Wilson, Conservative, have co-signed the letter. Dornan said, My political partners and I at SPT are concerned that the current emphasis on active travel is actively precluding working with all modes of public transport. SPT is, of course, supportive of all active travel modes, but we appear to have lost a sense of balance. Active travel must integrate and work with public transport, and there must be accessible travel options for those who cannot active travel. We should not forget not everyone is able to cycle or walk. Glasgow has a 10-year active travel strategy from 2022 to 2031. It promotes active travel, which it states means moving around using your own effort to get from place to place, usually by walking, wheeling or cycling, and is for everyday journeys, such as going to school, to the shops or to work, as well for exercise and recreation. The city has invested in cycle lanes around the city, including the West City Way and South City Way, with other alterations at key junctions to give more space for cycling. Many motorists have complained about the changes, and now SPT councillors are asking whether there is an imbalance with not enough directed towards public transport. A spokesperson for Transport Scotland said, The Scottish Government is committed to sustainable travel, which is why we invest over £2 billion annually to support public transport. We agree that active travel and public transport should be well integrated to serve the needs of communities and cross-sector work, such as the Sustainable Travel to Station strategy makes a vital contribution to delivering this. We are also committed to continue to build on our recent record investment in active travel. After decades when walking, wheeling and cycling received relatively little funding, despite clear evidence that people wanted to do more. That's why we support ambitious projects across Scotland designed to improve our public spaces and access to public transport network. For example, by creating safe routes to schools, segregated cycling lanes and improved pathways. Scotland's accessible travel framework was co-produced with disabled people and is focused on improving the overall journey experience for disabled people by removing the barriers which prevent them travelling. All of our actions and investment are underpinned by the sustainable travel hierarchy and sustainable investment hierarchy, which prioritise walking, wheeling and cycling and shared transport options over single car use. This was an article... Funding Imbalance Towards Cycling Routes, warns councillors, by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 12th of December, from the News Section. 
Glasgow Diabetic Calls for End to Postcode Lottery for Life-Saving Kit, an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. A type 1 diabetic has told how she has been forced to wait over two years for a life-changing insulin pump, despite her blood glucose regularly spiking to dangerously high levels. Katie Hindmarch takes daily injections to control the chronic condition, which causes the pancreas to stop producing insulin. Despite achieving good control throughout the day, Katie is living with hazardous readings while she's asleep, leaving her at potential risk of complications such as blindness or organ damage. Doctors have told the 24-year-old that an insulin pump would help her to achieve better over-control of her condition. But due to lengthy waiting lists, she's no idea when she will receive a device. Katie is just one of thousands of type 1 diabetics who are currently waiting to access the vital equipment, known medically as hybrid closed-loop technology. She's now calling for an end to the current postcode lottery among health boards, which is dictating who given the support and where it can be approved. Katie exclusively told the Glasgow Times, Type 1 diabetes takes over every single part of your life and it's not easy to live with. Sometimes it can feel exhausting and all-consuming, especially if my levels run too high or too low which can lead to hypoglycemia, taking you to the brink of collapse or unconsciousness. I've been told that my levels shoot up during the night because of a hormonal spike. It basically means that instead of sitting between 6 and 7, my blood glucose can rocket up to a high 20s, which can lead to longer-term complications, such as issues with my sight or kidney damage. I work hard to have good control during the day, but when I'm asleep and need to rely on my body to regulate itself, there is nothing I can do. The frustrating part is the technology now exists to help me achieve the results I need, but I have no idea when I'll get it because of the demand and limits on NHS funding. This technology can change my life, but like many others, I'm being left to fight for it with no idea when I might be accepted. Katie from Cathgar in Glasgow's south side was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 10 and admits adjusting to ejecting herself daily and regularly monitoring her blood sugar levels took a while to get used to. She's been given access to a sensor which attaches to her arm and monitors her glucose before sending the data directly to her mobile phone. But Katie says she needs to be on an insulin pump which delivers insulin through a tube into her stomach, in line with the type of food she's eating, before she can fulfil her dream of having children. She added, Right now, I'm putting my life on hold until I'm on the hybrid closed-loop system. I'd like to start a family before I'm 30, but right now I can't think that far into the future. Katie is backing a campaign by Diabetes Scotland, for fair and equal access to the life-changing technology. The Diabetes Tech Can't Wait Drive is calling for more funding to be made available to all health boards to ensure everyone is given access to the insulin pumps and sensors.
Katie, who now works as a payroll administrator, adds, It shouldn't come down to where you live or how much funding a particular health board has been given. It's about giving people access to technology that will give them a better quality of life and protect their health. Type 1 diabetes is a full-time job. You don't get a break from it. It's constant, all-consuming and impacts every single part of your life. It's not something you can reverse. It requires careful management day in, day out. Following guidance from the Scottish Health Technologies Group, the Scottish Government allocated £14.6 million for health boards to increase access to hybrid closed-loop tech across Scotland. Diabetes Scotland's National Director, John Kinnear, is calling for more to be done. He believes that health boards can save money in the long term by providing people with a kit to look after and manage their condition. He added, Access to diabetes tech should not be based on a postcode. It shouldn't come down to where you live and how much funding a particular health board has. But right now, there are significant regional and socio-economic disparities in access to diabetes technology. We believe this is unfair and needs to change. We are hearing from countless people who find themselves in this position. That's why we are calling on decision makers to go further and faster. We want to see 100% of children and 70% of adults living with type 1 diabetes to be provided with hybrid closed-loop technology by 2030. A spokesperson for NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde said, Our specialist diabetes teams are keen to help as many as possible have access to new technologies, such as insulin pumps, which can help manage the burden of type 1 diabetes when combined with closed-loop systems. We welcome the Scottish Government's latest financial commitment to funding in this area. This will continue to support our specialist teams to deliver the latest technology to our patients. That was an article, Glasgow Diabetic Calls for End to Postcode Lottery for Life-Saving Kit by Amanda Keenan. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 12th of December, from the news section. How to Heat Your Home Cheaply in Scotland This Winter by Andrew Kalumsma New research has revealed that over half of Scots are more concerned about paying their energy bills this winter compared to last, with under half being just as concerned. While some measures have been introduced to help alleviate the strain of energy bills on households across Scotland, many are still struggling. With this Searches for how to keep a house warm have skyrocketed by 129% in the past year, with a 53% rise for energy-saving tips also reported. To help with this, EDF has invested more in helping homes become more energy efficient through the likes of the Great British Insulation Scheme. With energy bills set to almost double, the firm has revealed some cheap and easy solutions to heat your home using methods widely shared online. Here are some of the top tips for heating your home cheaply, using some popular online methods being searched for by people in Scotland. Place cling film over your windows. Close your curtains to keep the heat in. 
dry your clothes on a radiator, draft-proof your home by sealing gaps or using excluders, paint your radiators black or install a carpet. Other ways to save energy include shower at certain times of the day between 10pm and 8am, wash clothes at night. Philippe Comarat, Managing Director for Customers at EDF said, It's clear that as the colder weather approaches, people are concerned about keeping their homes warm in a cost-effective way. Tackling the energy efficiency of people's homes is the number one way we can help to reduce bills, and we're not choosing to stand still or wait. We're spending an extra £103 million on the eco and Great British insulation schemes this year, which will deliver savings to thousands of vulnerable customers. The Eco and Great British Insulation Scheme includes measures such as home insulation, boiler upgrades, upgrading existing electric heating systems to a more energy efficient solution, or adding a zero carbon heating system like an air source heat pump all of which will help households save both cash and carbon. Since April 2022, EDF has delivered 52,000 energy efficiency measures, saving customers £10 on their bills each year, on average saving 24,298 CO2 per year, the equivalent yearly emissions of over 6,000 cars. That was an article, How to Heat Your Home Cheaply in Scotland This Winter, by Andrew Kalumsma. Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 12th of December, from the News section. SNP are letting down Scotland's children, by Thomas Kerr. Scotland's education system used to be the envy of the world. What a pity the SNP ever got their hands on it. That was my overwhelming conclusion last week when I read the findings from the Programme for International Assessment, PISA, results. More than 700,000 15-year-old pupils' performance is analysed across the world, including Scots of that age, in maths, reading and science. Hamza Yousaf at least had the honesty to admit at First Minister's questions that the results were poor when challenged by Douglas Ross. However, that is a late contender for understatement of the year from the First Minister. Far from being world-leading, we now trail Latvia in science, Estonia in reading and Lithuania in maths. Our maths and science scores are at their worst ever levels. Our reading score is at its joint worst on record. The SNP love comparing Scotland with England, but on this one, where we trail our neighbours south of the border, they haven't been as keen. Funny that. These results expose the shameful legacy of USAF's predecessor, Nicola Sturgeon. She repeatedly insisted that education was our number one priority, but nothing could be further from the truth. Much like when she oversaw drug deaths hitting record levels, Sturgeon's eye was well and truly off the ball. Her and her party's record on education is one of abject failure and broken promises. 
they failed to come anywhere near eradicating the poverty-related attainment gap in our schools that they promised to do. The rollout of free laptop devices to every pupil has just been delayed again and violence in our schools is now an epidemic on the SNP's watch. And they still had the gall to try and claim the PISA study shows Scotland maintained our international standing. That was some shameless spin, even by SNP standards. The results are a national disgrace, yet the SNP refused to act and deny their flawed education reforms have cost Scotland's pupils dearly. As the father of a wee boy who is yet to turn one, I am worried about the future of our education system and what it holds for Joshua. All aspects of our education system are broken under the SNP. Early years education, which is so crucial for future development, is now buckling under the pressure as a result of the SNP's failure to fully fund councils and providers. Dedicated staff are doing their best to give children that all-important early years development, but are doing so with one hand tied behind their backs. All that will do is have a serious detrimental impact on a pupil by the time they start primary school at the age of four or five. Our young people have already suffered enough in recent years due to the disruption caused by the COVID pandemic. Teachers and parents are at their wits' end, yet Yousaf wants to bury his head in the sand. As not only an opposition politician, but a father as well, I want to see leadership from those in charge in the SNP. Education is fully devolved, so they cannot pass the buck on this one and avoid responsibility for their overwhelming failures. We can't keep hearing an acceptance that the results aren't good enough. We need to see action to fix them. Otherwise, Joshua's generation will be let down too. This is an article called SNP are letting down Scotland's children by Thomas Kerr. This is from the Glasgow Times on Tuesday the 12th of December 2023 from the Lifestyle section. Glasgow shop sadly closes at Prince's Square after 35 years. This exclusive article is written by Marissa McQuirter. A long-standing shop in the city centre has closed its doors after 35 years due to rising costs. The pen shop was one of the original stores in Prince's Square when it opened in 1988. But rising costs have forced the business to move out of the shopping centre. A spokesperson for the pen shop said, Sadly, after trading for over 35 years, the overhead costs continued to rise to a level that was unsustainable and we simply couldn't afford to continue to keep trading in the store. We still continue to trade with a full range on our website. The family-run business was founded in 1946 in Newcastle but has recently been shifting its focus to online retail amid the cost crisis. Signage has now been erected on the first floor unit now empty, reading, We're sorry, this store is now closed. In celebration of the shopping centre's 30th anniversary in 2018, the Glasgow Times spoke to Geraldine Mason, a former employee in the pen shop. 
The store was popular for gifts, with many customers seeking out the luxury stationery shop for special occasion presents. Well-known customers have included Billy Connolly, Darren Brown, Rangers and Celtic players and managers, actors and one Nicola Sturgeon. Geraldine said at the time, We treat them like everybody else, though. The pen shop has been contacted for comment. And that article was written by Marissa McQuerta. This is from the Glasgow Times on Tuesday the 12th of December 2023 from the Opinion section. Agony Aunt, Ask Janice My husband refuses to visit his best friend in a care home. This piece is written by Janice Bell. The reader writes, Dear Janice, My husband's best friend has moved into a care home, but he refuses to visit him. I have been a few times, but I'm running out of excuses as to why my husband is not with me. I asked why he wouldn't go, and he just said he doesn't like these sorts of places. How can I encourage him to visit? Mary. Janice answers. Dear Mary, care homes do not sit well with many people. Instead of looking at them as a place to live out their life in comfort, with companionship, for many they are a reminder that perhaps their lives are coming to an end. His best friend will no doubt know he is avoiding visiting, so next time you go, set up a video call on your mobile. The care home staff will help if you need it. I bet once the banter is flowing between the old buddies, your husband will be a regular visitor. And here's the next letter to Janice. Dear Janice, our son is in his early twenties and his attitude to work is shocking. He is lazy and has a couldn't-care-less attitude, which makes our blood boil. The jobs he has had only lasted a few weeks, and although he tells us the work was boring and he packed it in, we suspect he was sacked. Either way, he is unemployed. His dad and I have worked all our lives and it saddens us to watch his declining lifestyle and demeanour as he spends most of his time in his bedroom. We fund him when we can, but we don't have extra cash every month. In fact, we expected that he would be contributing by now as he is still living at home. We can't face another argument, so what do we do? Helen Janice replies Dear Helen, attitudes towards work have evolved. Your generation worked at least 40 hours per week, but now part-time workers make up a quarter of the UK's workforce. The shifting attitude towards work is poured out through social media, where new information to develop thoughts and ideas is encouraged by influential people. Helen, gone are the days when we secured a job for life, And this is partly why you and your husband find it so difficult to understand your son's attitude. In short, he will only ever view your attitude as outdated and not something to aspire to. In today's world, surviving without a job is virtually impossible unless you have very rich parents. So step into his shoes and find out what makes him tick. Encourage independence by means of hope for the future, because without hope, 
nothing is possible. Talk through his possibilities and hone in on his skill set to help him look beyond the mundane jobs he shies away from. My concern is the amount of time he spends in his room, as social interaction is crucial. Start small with a positive chat, restrain from having another go at him, and take it from there. And that piece was written by Janice Bell. This is from the Glasgow Times on Tuesday the 12th of December 2023 from the Lifestyle section. Christmas opening times for Glasgow shopping centres 2023. This article is written by Andrew Smart. The final countdown to Christmas is on with those looking to get involved in the festivities travelling far and wide to find the perfect gifts in Glasgow's various shopping centres. Glasgow is well known for its prestigious malls, with the likes of Buchanan Galleries, St Enoch and Prince's Square attracting visitors from across Scotland. If you're looking to get all your Christmas presents sorted but don't know any of the opening times, look no further. Here are the Christmas opening times for Glasgow's many popular shopping centres this festive season. Prince's Square Opening hours The shopping centre will be open from 11am to 5pm on bank holidays and from 10am to 6pm Monday to Friday on normal dates. Closes on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Buchanan Galleries Opening hours, 9am to 7pm from Monday to Saturday and from 10am to 6pm on Sundays. Closes on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. St Enoch Shopping Centre Opening hours and closing dates. From December the 11th to December the 18th, the shopping centre will be open from 9am to 7pm and then from 9am to 8pm until December the 24th. On December the 24th, St Enoch will close at 5pm before closing on Christmas Day. From Boxing Day to December the 29th, it will be open from 9am to 7pm before closing at 6pm on December the 30th and 5pm on December the 31st. On New Year's Day, the shopping centre will close before reopening from 10am on January the 2nd. Festive opening times for the Glasgow Fort and Brayhead. The Glasgow Fort will close on Christmas Day with selected stores and restaurants opening on New Year's Day. From December the 18th to December the 22nd, the centre will be open from 10am to midnight before opening from 9am on December the 23rd. The location will then open from 10am to 5pm on Christmas Eve and open from 8am to 7pm on Boxing Day. Brayhead in Renfrewshire will open from 9am to 8pm from December the 11th to December the 23rd. It will then open from 8am to 5pm on Christmas Eve and close on Christmas Day. Some stores and restaurants will be closed on Boxing Day. That article was written by Andrew Smart. 
This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 13th of December 2023 from the Lifestyle section. Glasgow Bakers shortlisted for 2024 Scotch Pie Awards. This article is written by Nicole Mitchell. Glasgow bakeries have been shortlisted for the 2024 World Championship Scotch Pie Awards. The list has been announced following an annual judging day, which saw almost 500 of the best pies by 78 of the best butchers delivered to Dunfermline and put to the test by 60 pie professionals. Judges put each and every entry to the taste, touch, appearance and smell test and the winner of the Scotch Pie category will be declared world champion at a prestigious awards lunch on Tuesday, January the 16th. In Glasgow, the shortlisted bakeries are Beefcake Cafe, David Cox Butchers, Pars Food Limited, Peter's Bakery, Pie Sports and S. Collins and Son. Several bakeries in the surrounding areas have also been nominated, including Christie the Baker in Airdrie, Cooper Quality Butcher Limited in Bells Hill, David Chapman Butchers Limited in Wishaw, and Wright's Butchers in East Kilbride. Leslie Cameron, Chief Executive of Scottish Bakers, said, This is my first World Championship Scotch Pie Awards as CEO of Scottish Bakers, and I have been amazed at the passion of each and every entrant, not to mention the creativity, quality and innovation of the entries submitted for consideration by our professional judges. Announcing the shortlist is always a great moment, as it's the first time our entrants get an inkling that their pies have been judged as amongst the best in the country, and it's always great to be recognising products which have been lovingly made from scratch, from locally sourced ingredients, freshly made daily by skilled craftspeople. The awards lunch at the Westwood Hotel in Cumbernauld will be hosted by TV personality and long-term Pi Award presenter Carol Smiley. That article was written by Nicole Mitchell. This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday the 13th of December 2023 from the Lifestyle section. Glasgow Man's Tribute to Late Wife After 90 Years Together This exclusive article is written by Anne Fotheringham. Dan Harris and Marion Scullion were born in the same Maryhill tenement just 15 months apart. For close on 90 years they were together as friends, childhood sweethearts and eventually husband and wife. And when Marion died just a few weeks ago Dan was at her side. It was a great comfort to me that Marion died peacefully and that I could spend her last moments with her, said Dan. I was holding her hands as she passed away. Glasgow Times readers know Dan and Marion well through Dan's stories on our Times Past local history pages. During their long lives together, the couple were only separated twice. When we were children, I was evacuated to Canada and Marion to Aberfoyle during World War II, he explains. And in the 1950s, I was in Berlin with the Royal Engineers for my national service for two years. It was while he was on national service 
that Dan proposed to Marion. She always joked that I gave her the most romantic proposal a girl had ever received, the chance for more money, he says, smiling. My army pay was two pounds a week. When I came home on an embarkation leave, prior to being posted to what was then West Germany, I had a brainwave. I told Marion if we got married while I was on leave, we'd also be entitled to two pounds a week marriage allowance. Dan and Marion, knee scullion, went to Oak Bank Primary together and played in the same local swing park just off Garscube Road. Dan's dad was a lamplighter. Marion's dad was a moulder at Singer's. They had their first date at the George Cinema just before Marion's 16th birthday. Four years later, the couple got married. It was an unusual service, smiles Dan. We had to apply for a special licence because of the short time scale as I was home on leave. We had to go and see a sheriff to obtain his approval. We were married two days later in the registry office on March the 4th, 1953. Only two others were present, my younger brother, Billy, and Marion's pal, Maisie. Dan adds, My mother had planned on us having a traditional church wedding, with Marion being beautifully dressed in a white wedding gown. In spite of her deep disappointment and the short notice that she'd been given about our wedding, she held a party in her house for us. It went very well, and she forgave me. After Dan was discharged from the army, he and Marion lived in a single end with a shared outside toilet in Maryhill. They moved to East Kilbride in January 1959 and had two daughters, Eleanor and Doreen. Dan worked as a draftsman with G and J Weir in Cathcart and then joined the National Engineering Laboratory. After being made redundant at the age of 59, he worked in maths and computer studies, teaching, until he retired ten years later. Marion worked for a number of East Kilbride companies before giving up paid employment to volunteer for charities and the Citizens Advice Bureau. The couple loved to travel and spent long winter holidays in Portugal and Spain. Marion Harris died on October the 29th, 2023. She is survived by her husband Dan and daughters Eleanor and Doreen. That article was written by Anne Fotheringham. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service.